here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor. Almost heaven, West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountains, Shenandoah River. That's where we're going. We're going to West Virginia today. Yes, so excited about this young artist's career. She's only 17 years old, but man, is she slamming it? Before we get to that, though, I'd like you to uh, join us in the Spotify playlist we created for you. That's right. It's called Dharmic Rising Stars. And uh, we're going to put this um, in the uh, show notes so you can pick up the link. It's our first Spotify playlist. And I put 25 artists who have been on this show in the past on the first playlist. And this is one of many to come. Are you on there? You may be on there. So pick up the link and start helping your fellow brothers and sisters by marketing not only you, but the other 24 artists that are on there. I think it's a cool idea. I think you guys will really like this. So far, I've emailed many of you, and the response has been phenomenal. So we're um, uh, Dharmic Evolution is once again trying to help out our fellow uh, singer-songwriters and artists around the Dharmic community and elsewhere. So where are we going today? We're going to West Virginia. And we're going to visit with a singer-songwriter and actress from a small town in West Virginia rooted in live theater. Her love for performing encouraged her to explore other aspects of the profession, which led to her songwriting. And she just got into it. And since then, and with the help of influences based in the 70s, rock, rhythm and blues, and modern poeticism, she has created a unique vintage Americana sound that crosses the boundaries of many different styles. And I, I love the sound of this. It reminds me of, um, you know, the good old great songwriting that happened in the uh, late 60s and early 70s. And this young lady kind of exudes all of that. So uh, I'd like you to put your hands together and give a warm Dharmic Evolution welcome to Lily King. Lily, welcome to the Dharmic Evolution. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You see, they say to rehearse and rehearse, and you keep doing it, you get it right eventually, right? <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you've got some nice weather up there in West Virginia where you're from. You're having a little Indian summer. Little Indian summer. Gotta love it. Yeah. And we're getting the same in Nashville here, but... Uh, um, I'm ready for fall, actually. it's um, I love summer. I love all the seasons, but fall is especially beautiful, I think, with the foliage and, you know, especially where you guys are up through the Shenandoah Valley. It's a trip I take often as I can up through 81 to uh, visit family in um, New Jersey. So, um, but now it's so cheap to fly. So it's like kind of this like pull and push. It's like, wait a minute. It's like, uh, yeah, but I'm missing right. the colors, you know, but yeah, I'm looking at the pocketbook and saying this makes business sense to do it this way. <laughs> so are you- I know, fallen. Fall in West Virginia is unbeatable. Yeah, it really is. It's just, it's so marvelous for the people um, stretched out throughout this country, you know, both out to the West and, you know, they have their beautiful moments too. But man, there's nothing like being in the Northeast when, um, you know, in the, in fall, it's just so gorgeous. 
So we've got some big news to celebrate with you with um, your brand new debut EP, and it is titled Lily King, right? That's the title of the EP? The title of the EP is Lily King, coming out with the with the introduction. It's good. That's a good move because your name is awesome and you are awesome. I, I've been checking out your music the past couple of days and uh, really so impressive. And I think people are going to receive this record really um, in such a positive fashion because it's very hard to pin down your style, which I love because it's kind of a cross of a, a lot of different things, very eclectic. And I hear some of the classic written wonderful songs from late 60s, early 70s as an influence. Um, am I far off on that with you? No, it, you're exactly right. Those are such heavy influences. That's the type of music I listen to. I grew up listening to my parents' music and, you, you know, it's just that's what I'm drawn to. So that's that's what I write. I'm not trying to write what's in right now. I'm trying to write what I love to listen to. Yeah, I'm hearing like, you know, things, the, the classics that were written by the Supremes and, and people like that who, who just had that unbelievable songwriting flair, Brian Wilson, uh, Paul Simon, people like that who just, you know, it really didn't matter. Like the even the vocals sometimes on those songs, it you know, anybody could have sung those because they were so well-crafted and so well-written that um, the song just kind of like, it just sort of, you know, had its own life, it seems, you know. Oh, absolutely. And some of the first um, musicals that I was obsessed with were Motown and uh, Beautiful, the Carole King musical, where I was kind of introduced to their music in a bit of a different realm, like watching it being performed and used to tell a story. So that I think that's why I became so obsessed with them. It's because like, I c every time I listen to them, I can picture the story that they're trying to tell, because I've seen them tell that story on stage. Yeah. Awesome. Let's give everybody a taste. Let's not keep them in suspense. We're going to start with Cheated Love here with Lily King. Didn't 
Awesome song, really, really beautiful song. Can you give us um, the backstory on Cheated Love? Like, where did that come from for such a young lady? <laughs> so the cool thing about Cheated Love is that is the first full song that I wrote. Really? Ever. How old were that you when you wrote this? I was um, 16 at the time. I Here's the thing about me. I didn't start writing music that long ago. I wasn't one of those kids that it's like, oh, I, I grew up in a musical household. I've been writing music my whole life. I feel like I hear that a lot. It's like I had to fall in love with it. I wasn't, you know, I've always loved music and loved performing, but I had never written my own. And so Cheated Love came along and that catchy little chorus, um, the melody I first had, and then the lyrics came soon after. And once I had that chorus, I sat with it for a hot minute. Like nothing really happened with Cheated Love. It really just sat there until I won Talent West Virginia. Um, and I got an EP deal and I had to write my own music. So that's the first song I went back to. It's like, all right, I'm going to go try to finish this and we'll see how it turns out. And that's the Cheated Love you hear. And in production, um, it changed from what the original song was. So what I performed in my live show months earlier is different than the final product you hear. I th we rewrote the bridge. We we did a bunch of really cool stuff with Cheetah Love, but that's like the first little guinea pig that we had. Awesome. What a, what a f unbelievable freshman effort there. That's really, really incredible. <laughs> that's awesome. So you started your career with theater, correct? Yes. And so how old were you when you got into theater? Oh, I'm I'm 17 now, so I was probably seven, six or seven. Um, and I started it because my grandparents had been involved in the theater and they were like, hey, go go take some classes. Maybe you'll like it. And, and I went in and I started taking classes and I hated it. Absolutely hated being in front of people. Um, I would like make up things to where I didn't have to get up in front of the class and speak in front of everybody. And I ended up quitting for almost two years there in the middle of kind of my theater career. And then I came back because I missed that nervous adrenaline that I got on stage. So I probably came back when I was about 12. And then from the ages of 12 to 16, those four years were completely full of incredible theater experiences that were greater than I could have ever asked for, for being as young as I was. Yeah, so you, even though you weren't writing songs yet, you were probably surrounded by the process of, you know, we're creating something from nothing here, really. I mean, you know, all right, we have a script and all, but it's it's unique in its own sense that you were never in it, and all those other people that were your, you know, counterparts and, you know, other actors and musicians, they were all creating this for the first time, you know? Yeah, so, there's uh, nothing like the creative process. The creative process is kind of its own thing. And you can apply it to just about it. You can apply it to business. You can apply it to sports if you try hard enough. Um, so I, growing up in theater, had always been surrounded by that creative process. And it so applies to the music world. I think that's why I was able to transition into it so quickly is because I already had that mindset. I just had to apply it to something different. 
Yeah, well, fabulous job. This was this was great, and congratulations on winning that um, award because um, so well deserved. And what an opportunity to um, all of a sudden, you know, spread your wings and say, "I'm going to give this a real shot with you know the people that um, can really do something with this." So you started right, <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> and of course, you know, the fact that you weren't writing again. You were working in theater, so you already had a command of the stage, a command of, you know, what is the presence of music in front of people? And that's a good place to start because most of us start in our closets, in our room, and, you know, wherever, and just start writing songs in the basement or wherever. And then, you know, little by little, you get a garage band, and then you go out and you do whatever you need to do to get in front of people. But you were doing it almost like professionally, really. I mean, you were doing it the right I, way. I, I, I kind of did it backwards i feel like in any other case i would have had to work my way up from oh i like writing music well now i'm going to perform it in front of small groups and then i'll work my way up to bigger groups and in, in the studio but i i worked backwards it's like well i'm comfortable with the performing part i can sing in front of just about everybody now i've got to get the stuff to sing to them right right <laughs> you're gonna have to create a class lily and and you know tutor people on how to do this <laughs> so let's do um another one i love this song by the way um this one is called um home by 10 and do you want to give us you know just set set this up a little bit for people let them know what this is about oh, home by 10 is so personal to me it's um i wrote it as an autobiography home by 10 is an autobiography of myself um and i wrote it super quickly because you know when when you're writing about yourself it's a little easier to find the inspiration um so it's just it's so laid back which i think is also a reflection of my personality which i tried really hard to do it's very intricate in parts uh, is like the chorus is pretty intricate as, as far as like the time signature but then the verses are super simple and laid back which i think is a cool representation of like the highs and lows that I go through. It's just, it really is m one of my favorites, if not my favorite, because of how reflective it is of myself. Beautiful song. Everybody check this out. When I say I'm tired, I usually want to I'd never let you know When I say I'm sorry Well, that's not always true When I tell you not to call I wanna talk to you And I'm no callous soul I dream in gold And I lie every now and then But I'm all home by ten When I talk about you I'd never tell a lie When I say I love you There's a hundred reasons why I chase the ends of rainbows To find the unknown Sometimes I look for trouble 
I love the song, and but you know, I don't believe you when you say I lie every now and then, but I'm always home by ten. I don't believe you. <laughs> Being <laughs> a musician, okay. I don't you know? believe myself sometimes. It's, <laughs> Great I, song. I, that is that is the first line I came up with that inspired the whole song. I came up with I lie every now and then, but I'm always home by ten because it's. Uh, it's true. It's just something that I you have to admit to yourself sometimes. It's like I'm a human. I lie every now and then, but I'm a good kid and I try to be a good kid. So, I'm going to I'm going to mess up a little bit, but I'm going to be home by 10. So you don't have to worry about me. Right. Well, now that you're a, you're a big rock star and songwriter, you'd be home by 10 in the morning, you know. <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, that that had again, you know, that again when I was talking earlier about 60s and 70s and things like that, that's a classic example of the production values with the horns and the great, you know, um, you know, the harmo- the harmonies going on and just actually the arrangements are really really good on this too. So you know, kudos to I, you for that. That was um, the cool thing about Home by Ten production-wise is that the there's a trumpet line in Home by yeah. Ten, which I never expected in a million years. I, I thought we were just going to do mostly acoustic, and then I was like, there needs to be something else. And Chris Kusky, the producer, was like, trumpet line. That's what we're going to do, a trumpet line. I was like, okay, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. Trumpet line in Home by Ten. And then I heard it. I was like, well, yeah. Of yeah. course. It's yeah. like, I, that's why I love working with people who have musical ears like that. It's like, the, oh my gosh, the things that they come up with that I never would have thought of. Yeah. The surprises are always, I think, the best part of the uh, studio experiences. Um, you had mentioned earlier about Carol King, and I just wanted to circle back to that because, you know, she, she was just, I think a lot of people out there don't even realize how many hundreds, it's probably thousands of songs that she wrote in the 60s and 70s with her partner, Jerry, I can't remember his last name, but to collectively, they wrote all the hits. I mean, they were just, they were just them. slamming it. I mean, they were writing for everybody. And funny story, I don't know if you saw this about, they had a, um, a biography on the Eagles and they wanted to switch producers from the Who's famous Glenn Johns to, um, to uh, Bill Simzik, who was producing Joe Walsh at the time. And Bill said he got into this. He came, off, he came out of the Navy and he had the earphones and he was in the submarine and he knew a little bit about electronic equipment. So he got brought in as like an assistant engineer. And he said, Carol King was in the studio and they were cutting songs. And he goes, man, these people are having fun. He goes, I got to get into this. <laughs> so he became a legendary producer simply because he was on a submarine somewhere, you know. But it just, it, it brings, you know, like what you were just describing, brings that thought to mind that, 
you know, it should be about having fun when you're creating records. I mean, it, you know, it should be like really, really like you have so much energy, you could go all night, you know? Oh, yeah. And the biggest key to that is finding people who feel the same way about music that you do. If you in I've been fortunate enough to only work with people who care about music like that so far. But when you all love what you're working on, you want to work on it. You don't want to stop and you have fun while you're doing it. And that's just the best part of the process. Yeah, it really it really is. And it never, ever, ever gets old. You know, it's just, I mean, I've been doing it a long time and it's just every time, you know, it's when I'm writing a new song and I finish it, I feel like it's the first song that I ever finished. It just doesn't go away. And I don't know anything else um, that's really like that. You know, maybe, maybe for other careers, for other people, it's like that tennis match or whatever. But, you know, from personal experience, it's something you just love. I can, I can fortunately equate the finishing the song i feel the same way when i finish a song it's so exciting it's like i have this new piece of work to show that you know was in my brain and now it's out here and i can show it to other people the only thing that i can equate that to would be that first little pinch of nerves when you step on stage yeah right at the very beginning right i don't i get nervous before the show and I get nervous that second before I go on stage. And then the second my foot is hits the stage, I'm not nervous for the rest of the show. That little feeling right before you go on stage is such a good reminder that you care about what you're doing. That's why those nerves are there. So that's that's what I personally equate that to. It makes you really show up too. I mean, like every yeah. ner like you said, every nerve ending. So like you're totally self-aware and like you're totally in the moment you know and there's nothing that there can't be any distractions it's just about you and what you're there to do you know which is really wonderful oh absolutely tell me about um your life in west virginia what do you like to do outside of music i'm sure you stay really really busy between um the stage with the theater and now with this great music career that's unfolding for you um what's your chill time like what do you do for um, whether it's workout or friendships or socialization. I know it's tough to socialize these days, but like given, given that we're in like the norm, like w what's your favorite things to do? <laughs> <laughs> My, uh, this sounds super dorky, but um, I, I don't have uh, very many friends. I've never, I've never been one of those social butterflies. I have my group of uh, my three other best friends and we go and we play pickleball once a week. And that's what I look forward to all week. That's my downtime. Pickleball? I, you know, I hang out with pickleball. What is pickleball? I've never heard of this. What is this? I got to look this up. Where, where's Wikipedia? Quick. <laughs> oh, pickleball. Pickleball. Okay. Think of, think of something that's in between um, ping pong and actual tennis. Okay. It's like tennis, but the smaller version. And it's super fun. And oh, they're going to laugh so hard that I brought that up. But we, I look forward to that all week because it's chill time. You know, I don't have to focus on music. I can focus on my friends and I can do that. I also, um, we live on, we used to live on a farm. We own a farm. I have horses. I used to ride my horses all the time. I don't get to do that very much now, but you know, I'm a big animal person and I love nature and I love being outside. So it's just finding those little moments that I can take to rest. And then so I can get re-excited to come back and work on the stuff that's important. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is good to have downtime, especially with nature all around you. You know, that's the most, 
I think the most healing thing that um, is in my world as far as just whatever I'm going through, I, it, everything changes after 10 minutes out in the woods, you know, it just feels great. Oh, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And, you know, I live in the best place to do that. I live in the most healing place in the world. If you're going to look at it from a nature standpoint, we've got nothing but nature here in rural West Virginia. <laughs> I know. And, you know, it, I was checking out like when you, when this pandemic started, you guys were like the last on the list. Like you had like no, no cases. Like we for were the, the longest last state time. Yeah, to have was, a confirmed case. I'm like, what the heck? I said, I kept saying to to everybody around me, I'm moving to West Virginia, man. There's the, there's no <laughs> <laughs> there's no reason I why I shouldn't. You know, this is perfect. But uh, but we couldn't um, get in the hills. <laughs> yeah, I I know, I know. It's so it's so spread out, and it's um you know it is an amazing place, but it's just um. I'm just so happy you guys got through this. Are you, your cases still real low? I haven't looked in a long time. Our cases are pretty low. We spiked once and that was about it. The, our, our blessing here is that we are super spread out. None yeah. of us live super close to each other. And we're all, you know, we're all outdoors a lot of the time. Yeah. And the outdoors are healing in more way than one, quite literally sometimes. Let's talk about um, the, the record Red, Re an another up song, great arrangement on this one. Um, can you give us the backstory on this, how Red came about and how it got written? Oh, well, Red is definitely my favorite just because of how fun it is. It is, it is the fun song. So um, it was very unintentional to write. We had actually already finished the entire EP and we were going to release Cheated Love as the single. But I wasn't super into that idea, so I was still just kind of messing around. And I went to my kitchen one night, and I was looking through my pantry, as I do, and I was just humming this odd tune in my head. And I remember stopping and being like, hold on, let me feel this out for a second. And the fire burned and the water turned red. I just, I had that line. I always come up with one weird line. So I recorded it on my phone and I remembered about that line and I was like, well, what, what could I, what's turning red? Why are th things turning red and why is a fire burning? And why is that what I thought of? Um, so the fire burned is, and the water turned red was the line. And then I built this song around it based off of my experience that I had in middle school, which was many years ago, but I had a very bad experience in middle school with one of my best friends who spread terrible rumors about me as teenage girls do that weren't true. And I was never, never able to really confront her about it. Um, so this was kind of my way of saying what you did was wrong and I can't forgive you for it because I never got an apology for what you did. So that's what I, but I also, I didn't want this to be a sad song. You know, that's kind of a sad thing to write it about, especially for me, cause like it sucks. I lost a best friend, but I wanted it to still be fun. It's like, well, instead of being down about it, let's put a really fun beat behind it so you can dance and you're not sad all the time. <laughs> well, she might be coming back to chat with you after she hears this podcast. We never know. I hope so. Here is Red. <laughs> I hate to see you go, but it's harder yet to say that I can forgive you and I won't forget. It's the point of no return, you said what you said. The fire burns and the water turns red. 
Just great song, full of energy. And, you know, the, the way you described, um, you know, the story behind it is not really representative of what's going on musical. It's like, wow, man, this is, you just want to get up and dance to the song. It's just awesome. Yeah. Really great song. Yeah. That's why, that's why I love it. You can use, you can apply it to just about anything. You can apply it to, apply it to a family relationship, a friend relationship, a, a personal relationship. You know, you can apply it to anything and you can dance in the meantime. That's why I love it. Yeah, great, great approach on that. Hey, let's talk about New York City. Now, you went there for a while. Um, you were actually going to a film school there. Is that correct? New York Film Academy, yeah. Wow, and tell us about um, the experience of, um, first of all, like what was it like going to a film academy? And was it grueling? Was it just like so eye-opening and just full of everything you ever thought it was going to be? Give us what it was like, the, the experience of doing that. So I was only, I was what, 15, 14? Long story short, my parents sent me to New York City by myself to live when I was 14 or 15. And I don't know how they had that much trust in me, but yeah. God bless them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can't imagine my mom was thrilled about dropping me off, but she did. Yeah. Um, so that was... I can safely say one of the best experiences I ever had because being in a setting like that at such a young age taught me really how to interact with others in a setting that wasn't like school or like high school or rehearsal, you know? So I went for musical theater actually, and the film was built into it and it was a month and I lived in dorms and there were only there were 30 kids in the program and only three of us were Americans. So it was all international students. It was incredible. Um, and I learned it's when I was first really trained to sing. I'm a trained soprano, operatic singer which you wouldn't get that from the music I put out, but well, I'm, I could, I'm a soprano. <laughs> I could tell by some, your, some of your vocals um, what you were doing that you, you didn't start this yesterday. Like you, you've got such a seasoned voice, really. It, it, for better or for worse. For better yeah. or for worse sometimes in the studio. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm a trained soprano and I learned how to, you know, really carry myself in in really stressful situations, which has carried over into my music career. I went for musical theater and I learned a lot that's gonna help me in the music industry, which I think is amazing. Yeah, that experience, I, I had something similar when I was your age. Um, I went to Television Production School of New York and it was very, really cool. It was just like you described, everyone was from somewhere in the world. 
um, different and small group, but they taught you everything about TV, you know, from you got to handle the cameras, like rolling in the big old cameras. And the next day you were, you were a technical director. The next day you were the music director. Then you were the associate director, the director, and they brought in real actors to like do plays and you would capture it on TV and do all the jobs. So um, yeah, everything New York is kind of cool. I mean, they, they do things in a way that's very, um, very unique and special. Oh, absolutely. And I got to live as kind of a New Yorker for a little while, which was, you know, as a 15 year old, I was like, well, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, I'm just I'm just that cool. I get to live in New York for a I'm while. I'm telling you. So how did you do that? I mean, like, like you went there. So you weren't there with your parents or like, was anybody looking after you or it was just like the school was helping you out? Like, how did you make friends and like, you know, acclimate so quickly to this uh, situation? So... Um, I stayed in dorms with other people who were in my program. So like I said, there oh, were 30 people yeah. in the musical theater program. So I roomed with um, two people uh, and one was from China and one was from Mexico. So I had, that was kind of my first time really um, interacting with kids my age who weren't from America and learning about their cultures, which was amazing. Um, and then and we we walked to school that first day and we were all new and we were all nervous. So we we all got super close very quickly because we were all in a new place. We didn't know what we were doing. We were yeah. young. So it I just made really awesome friendships that way. Excellent. It must have been some experience. I mean, that's one you just never forget, you know. It just carries carries you and gives you so many tools that you can you can use in other situations, you know. Tell oh gosh and the teachers oh my gosh the teachers they were um i one of the coolest people who taught me was um the dance captain she was the dance captain for chicago on broadway for 10 years and she played roxy hart for three of those years and she was my jazz teacher so i was learning the original choreography from chicago on broadway from their dance captain it's like how cool is that what yeah. other what other 15 year old is gonna get to do that yeah it was just so cool were you located like midtown like broadway 48 49 somewhere around there like where was the school like in we were actually so the new york film academy is right at the tip of the island it is right um almost on um uh, Wall Street. Oh, and you're all the way downtown. So, okay. All the way downtown. Yeah. We could see Battery Park um, yeah. and the Statue of Liberty. We looked out our window and we waved at the Statue of Liberty. And one of our singing exercises was, can we get Lady Liberty to hear us when and we wave back? Right? Um, <laughs> so that's how far down we were. But it was so cool because then we would have to travel to Midtown three times a week because one of our classes was all the way in one of the uh, Broadway studios. So then we also had the experience of riding the subway and <laughs> figuring out our way through the city to get to class. Right. So this was pretty recent. So you, you know, you were down by Freedom Tower and you were hanging out down, you know, um, this is what, a couple of years ago that this happened that you were there? A couple of years ago. I was, uh, I was either 14 or 15. It was th three years ago, I think. Three years. Okay. Yeah. Some experience, isn't it? What was your favorite place to like hang? Did you like Central Park? Like, where did you like to, to go as far as when you had we some time? We were obsessed with um, Battery Park, which yeah, it, that was, but yeah. not like the main part of Battery Park. There's this little, 
um, place in Battery Park that has just a bunch of old stone benches. And it's like very, it's like a very, we call it an Instagrammable place. And we thought we were so cool. All the girls would go and we would sit and we would like take pictures of each other. And we thought we were the coolest kids on the block when really we just, we looked like tourists sitting right. in this really <laughs> beautiful place. <laughs> Instagrammable park. I never heard of that before. That's that's pretty cool. It's time for, I think it was time to play uh, Roses. So let's check this one out. When the lights go down at the end of the show Where do all your roses go? Do your hands get cold when you walk away? From the person you were yesterday Do you feel like crying To another sad duet Is it always in your interest To bed instead of check Are you always in the background Of the movie in your mind Do you like to flirt with danger To make up for song great piano in the beginning and roses where do they go that's such an interesting thought you know because you especially coming from the theater world what do you do you always bring roses to the you know the person who uh 
who is your either, you know, your heartthrob or somebody who is in the show that you really feel like you got to, you know, give them some accolades. So roses are the way to do it. So, so where do the roses end up going? It's a good, it's a good question. Yeah. It, the, the original line was when the lights go out, of, when the lights go down at the end of the show, where do all the roses go? Like roses that are thrown on the stage. Yeah. Do you throw them in the trash? What do you, you know, what do you do with them? And then as the song progressed, we, I realized that I was, I was writing it about someone unintentionally. Um, I, I was kind of asking all these metaphorical questions that were stuck in the back of my head that were coming out. So then it changed to when the lights go out at the end of the show, where do all your roses go? Are you taking your roses home with you? Are you throwing your roses in the trash? Are you giving your roses to someone else? So it's just, I don't know. It, that, it, roses is a very metaphorical, like you kind of have to think hard about it to make sense of it song, but I, I love it. Yeah, beautiful. So let me ask you, how are you going to um, manage both because I don't see you giving up theater because once it's in your blood, it's like, you know, even the most successful Hollywood actors always, um, well, I would say always, but many of them, you know, just got to get back and do like real theater because it's it's like the real deal. You know, there's it's no... It's addicting. Yeah, it's like, wait, people are right in front of me. I have to pull this off almost like same as musicians do. So how do you think you can balance the two and, and do you plan on continuing to do the two well that's what i've been um honestly struggling with a little bit lately because the hard part of this is and pe people don't realize this unless they're in theater um and they sing outside of theater in a different setting is that i have two voices i have the theater voice and i have the studio voice they're very different voices. I'm not yeah. going to sing operatic soprano arias in the studio. Yeah. Um, and that takes almost, almost a very different skill set to sing that way rather than singing like I do when I'm recording my music. So I right now am taking a break from theater and I'm not doing anything. And it's really hard because I finally kind of crafted this voice that's fully mine it's it's not a character i'm playing like normal i'm not trying to force things out that i don't want to force out but i know the second i go back to theater my voice is going to change again and i'm immediately going to switch back and it's going to be really hard to take all of those layers off again yeah so i kind of had to make the executive decision to for a while stop singing in theater in the theater realm which means more or less stopping theater altogether for a while and that's really hard for me but i know it's going to be worth it in the end i do because i want to focus on my music career right now solely but i hope that one day i can go back to theater and not have to worry about you know the switching of the voices yeah there's something about you know using the tools of the trade in the studio um meaning the microphone the electronics and you can do just different things, which is, you know, a whole world of creativity unto itself, um, which takes a long time to, to master that. But I can see where, you know, you'd have this challenge of, you know, I have to strip all this away now. Are you working with a vocal coach or are you doing all, this all on your own? I'm in a, So I worked with a vocal coach when I was um, in theater and then 
I I don't work with anyone now because yeah. I want there are certain things that a vocal coach can and they have helped me with um, as far as, you know, breathing, tech, you know, all the boring stuff that you do and you learn, um, but it, it's not the fun part of it. Right. Right now, I'm just I'm I'm just trying to figure out if I forget all of the techniques and I just let my voice do what it wants to without any instruction, what's that going to sound like? So no, no vocal coach right now. And I'm honestly really loving where my voice is going. It's a work in progress. Yeah, that's good if you can do that, because, you know, I always say nobody can get in your head. And that's where you, you design it all. Like it's in your mind and you just know it. And maybe you don't know to go left or right or straight. But during the process, you figure that out. And it's like the song teaches you for this particular song, you it has to sound like this. And it's very hard to describe to somebody to, to teach you how to do that. I know. It's you know. so hard to describe. this. I was trying to um, explain to my mom and my dad recently because bless them, they're not, they are not musical people. They've never been musical people. Um, so they, my dad understands the business side of things and my mom is so supportive, but she, they, neither of them know much about music. So when I try to explain to them why I couldn't go back to theater and the issue with that, it's, almost an alien concept to people who don't understand how quickly the voice can change yeah um it, the only thing they can compare it to is like when they lose their voice and it goes super deep i'm like yes but no <laughs> it's it's a lot different than that it's just a way of singing and and unless you're a singer that's a really hard concept to understand yeah it really is and and there's a lot of thought has to go into taking care of yourself, physical fitness. I've been, I've been doing hot yoga. I'm a hot yogi for 15 years and I had to give that up for the pandemic. So I, I became a runner in February. And so I said, all right, I'll start running. And uh, my fiance had done all the major marathons multiple times. So she started training me. And it's so good to have that because I, I cannot be without physical exercise that's really important for me you know I think you have to do something um to take care of yourself as a singer you know oh yeah there's so uh, there's so much that goes into your health whether it's physical or vocal especially if you're a theater performer because you have to build up your stamina mentally to remember all the lines and the music physically to do all the dance moves and to carry a costume around for two hours um, and vocally, your voice is so fragile. Yeah, it's, it really it, is. It's not singing in a studio for a few hours. It's singing on stage every day for hours. Yeah. So it's it's really delicate. Hats off to you, girl. You got it going on. Yeah, it's a tough thing to, to figure out, but you don't have to figure it out right now. Right now you're worried about or you're, you're thinking about music and focused on mm -hmm. that. So the theater will come back in when, it, when it's time and places. Um, we just, we just so running out of time. I can't believe, um, I knew this would go fast. Um, we could probably do another hour easily, but we're going to have to uh, start to wrap up. So I'm following you on social media. I see you're on Spotify and I've got you on, uh, all the places I think that we are both, um, occupying together. I think I, I reached out to you there. And of course we will put all of your links in the show notes that, so that people can find out everything about uh, Lily King. And before we say goodbye, I just want to ask you, Lily, um, best place for people to reach you? Is there a favorite amongst all of your socials that you would prefer people to connect with you? 
Um, for people to connect with me, I would love for them to go to my Instagram so I can interact with them. I love interacting with people. I love talking to them. And that's the best place to do that. But if you want to find everything, my website's the place for you. <laughs> okay, excellent. We'll have that in there as well. Um, and finally, any last words uh, that you would like to share or just any kind of shout out, whether it's a good word, a prayer, just a, a thank you, a hello, anything to the collective audience for Dharmic Evolution around the world. And we're in about 71 countries. And um, just anything you want to say as we wrap up and say goodbye here the only thing i'd want to bring up is that don't fret over not knowing exactly what you're doing or what your place is i'm only 17 you know most kids my age are still trying to figure out what they want to go to college for and here i am i'm like i want to know I know what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I have to be at peace with the fact that my dream might not look exactly how I plan it. And I know a lot of people in my life who are stressing out about their futures and what may or may not happen. And I just want to let everyone know that it's better not to stress and it's better to let God's hand take over because something good will come from it. You just have to wait and work hard. Amen. Very well put. Lily, thank you so much for being a part of the Dharmic Evolution. I really appreciated you coming on and, and sharing your stories, um, your career, um, your, all of the things that are happening in your wonderful lives thus far. And I just want to ask all of uh, God's blessings on you and your family. And thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor, singer-songwriter, audio-video artist, master storyteller. So until the next time, when we meet again, I'll either see you on the socials, I'll see you from the stage, and let's not forget to all stay connected. I was connected. Everybody knew my name. Wise guys and movie stars would light up like
the time I have to 